you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. your hands all over this room and say it with me now because God is the greatest power we shall never never be defeated come on he's on your side say God come on announce it right now why don't you just put that in the atmosphere right now I know the the load seems heavy I know the burden seems too much to bear because God is the greatest power. We will never, never be defeated. Come on with hands lifted high because God is the greatest power. 
never be defeated. Come on, put a praise on your lips right now. Put a praise on your lips right now. Come on, I want you to see God high and exalted above everything, greater than everything that you walked in here carrying this morning, greater than the financial burden that you walked in feeling today, greater than the load that you walked in bearing today. The hand of the Lord is in this room. The hand of the Lord is in this room. He's here today. He's here today. Oh, come on, reach out to him one more time in this house. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, yes, 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 Lord. My, 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 the presence of the Lord is in the room today. Amen. Would you thank our praise and worship team for leading us into the throne room this morning? Yes, 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 yes. I want to tag some remarks in with those who have already spoken this morning. We're so thankful for all of our guests that are here in the house today. God bless you. Thank you for being here on this Sunday morning. Brother and Sister Beavis, good to see you today. The Stutzman, Sister Dasa's family are all here from Arthur, Illinois. Give them a great big God bless you this morning. And Pastor and Sister Roach and their daughters from Deal, Oklahoma are with us. Brother and Sister Finney's family, we're so glad to have you with us today. Amen and amen. My wife and I stayed up very late last night, early this morning, maybe I should add, because I think they were in the Philippines maybe about, what, 11 or 13 hours ahead of us. And so... Their, their morning service began about 12 or 1 o'clock this morning. And uh, some of you, of course, have already logged on and saw some of the three- and four-minute video clips that Pastor Danny was able to put uh, on our group Facebook page of some of the worship service this morning. And the last report that I had just a few minutes ago, a service began. Over 300 have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And we were watching last night, and they prayed for one of the local pastors who was blind, and I received a report later in the service that he received his sight. There is a healer at work. Amen, amen, amen. And so we're rejoicing. We're rejoicing in that. I just wonder this morning, what a miracle would look like in your life today. What would a miracle look like to you today? If you were to ask God for a miracle, what would it look like? Come on, I want you to get that, that vision in your mind right now. What would your miracle look like today? Mm. How many of you know he's a miracle worker? I know there seems to be a lot of obstacles in the way of that miracle, but God is the greatest power. 2 Kings chapter 7 and Matthew chapter 5. I want to get into the word of the Lord today. Matthew 7, uh, Matthew 5, 2 Kings 7. Amen. Thank you for all of your prayers over the last few weeks. We 
know, our church has been hit with so much sickness, but I'm glad to see you able to be back in the house of the Lord today. Amen. It's good to feel the strength of the Lord today. Amen. 2 Kings chapter 7, beginning with verse number 1. Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two shekels of two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Verse 2, Then a lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. Verse 3, And there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate, and they said one to another. Here's the question. Why sit we here until we die? Why sit we here until we die? Matthew chapter 5, verse number 6, the one verse. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. By the help of the Lord this morning, I'm going to preach for a little while on this subject. I refuse to die hungry. I refuse to die hungry. Would you put your hands together and give God praise in this house one more time? Lord, we thank you for your presence that's in this room right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, I thank you for your power that's present among your people this morning. Do what only you can, and we honor you and thank you in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Turn to somebody next to you, give them a fist bump, and tell them, I refuse to die hungry. hungry. I, I hear the report of 300 souls being filled with the Holy Ghost in this crusade over the last few hours. And of course it stirs hunger in our hearts. As we watched online last night in the service, I was able to hear my wonderful nephew Aiden as he spoke for a few moments at one of the churches that is out in the mountainous region outside Dumagadi. And, of course, we were thrilled and, and filled with joy and tears flowed because I, I'm just hungry to see what God is doing in other parts of the world happen right here at home. And when I hear about a crusade with 300 receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, my question is, why not here? And my next question is, why not now? All of the elements are in place. Maybe God is just waiting on us to get up and do something about the revival that is at our front door. Amen. There's, there's nothing wrong with what the church has to offer. There's nothing wrong with what the church, I didn't say we're a perfect church. If you're, if you're one that's prone to find fault, um, you're going to find a lot of fault. You'll find fault with the pastor. You'll find fault with the leadership. You'll find fault with the church. If you're looking for fault, we are human just like you are. And I'm guessing that any one of us that wanted to pick on anybody in the room today could find fault. But we're not here to judge today. But we're here to seek the Lord. 
And we're here to find what is going right with the church and right in the kingdom of God. And uh, this morning, as I look around, I, I recognize that there is really not that many things that I could see that need to change in order for us to see a 300-soul revival. I do believe it is possible. And I do believe that there is one looming on the horizon. Ah, what I'm seeing happening around the country, the hunger among people around the country. A lot of people have debated and argued, and it is amazing to me that Christian people have been some of the most critical of what has been happening on some of the college campuses and now even moving into some of the high school campuses. But I, I'm not here to debate or argue. All I am saying is, is that there is a hunger that is happening around the world. Uh, there is a hunger among people. They are looking for something that is real, and they are looking for something that is powerful. I come to tell you that if you're looking for that thing that is real and that thing that is powerful, it is here in this room today. His name is Jesus, and it is the power of the Holy Ghost that is able to change your life and to set you free. There's nothing wrong with the church. The, the, the church has been through the fire, and this week the church went through the flood. But the Lord has seen us through, and, and uh, if, if there is an issue that I see in this day and age in which we live, it is that we are so comfortable that we lose a hunger for revival. If there is an issue, it is about our hunger. It is about our appetite. At the last awakening prayer meeting that we had when we broke into, uh, we, we had uh, areas that we went and prayed in around the room. Uh, that was a very powerful night for me personally as I walked back after I, I began here in the front and I anointed everything in the house with oil and, and others were praying and then I moved back and when I got back to the back, Immediately as I went back and began to pray, I, I, I felt the Lord give me a nudge. I, I, I can't tell you I heard an audible voice of God, but I can tell you that God spoke to my heart. He, he hit me right at the very core of my being, right between the ears. He, he, he caught me and, and began to speak to me. And what I felt the Lord speak to me was that we need to begin to focus on on spiritual hunger. Thus this message this morning was birthed standing at the back in a prayer room. Ah uh, yeah, the Lord said what we need to do is not pray that people would just show up to church. Uh, what we need to do is pray that there would be a hunger for the things of God because when there is a spiritual hunger, the word of God declares, the word of Jesus declares, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst for they shall be filled. Somebody say amen. I believe one of the most lasting and profound statements made by our late bishop before his passing was uh, regarding the future of this church. And he looked intently at the camera. And many of you remember the video clip that uh, we shared and sent around and put on social media. As our late bishop looked into the camera, and he proclaimed, if we stay here, we will die. That 
text that I preach from this morning. And I want to connect with that word in our text this morning and remind somebody today that stagnant is the most dangerous condition to live in. I'm going to let that settle in just for a moment. When we become stagnant, it is the most dangerous condition that we can be in because in the, in the point of stagnancy, we will begin to, to, to doubt. We will begin to worry. We will begin to allow fear to overrun us. Uh, we see we lose hope in a stagnant situation. We become stagnant and a lot of things uh, begin to, to war in our mind and, and, and we, we, we get in a condition that becomes very, very dangerous. This is why when the church begins to move forward, when prayer meetings begin to happen and seasons of consecration, it causes the, the strong. Somebody said of COVID the other day, they said it causes the strong to get stronger and the weak to get weaker. And so it is in the church. Either it has caused you to get stronger in your faith and your trust in God, or it has caused us to become weak and and faithless and trusting in everything but the word of God. I come this morning to say, whose report will you believe? I choose to believe the report of the Lord. In our text this morning, King Benadad of Syria had besieged Samaria. And the Bible said that a measure of fine flour was being sold and for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel. And, and, uh, and it, it gives this scenario of, of a, a regional famine that was in the land. And uh, among this, of course, there is another facet to this text, and that is that there are four leprous men, and they are at the entering in of the gate, and and they are waiting at the entering in of the gate. Now, they could have been waiting at a wall. They could have been waiting for a lot of places. But the Bible intently shares their location of being at the gate. And they looked one to another because in the gate, of course, is uh, very clear that it is a point of decision. They're not in and they're not out. They're not in the city, but they're not in the country. They, they are at the gate. They are waiting at the entering in of the gate. So that would mean that they were on the outside of the city, but they are waiting at the entering of or the entrance of the gate. And these men who are uh, have all sorts of problems in their lives, uh, they, they looked at one another and they asked a question. And that question resonates with me in my mind this morning, and I hope it does in yours as they looked at one another and said, why sit we here until we die? I came this morning to preach to every person and tell you that you don't have to sit by the entrance uh, or the 
gate or the doorway to the supernatural and sit here in a condition of stagnancy and hunger and stay where you are. But you can make up in your mind this morning that I'm not going to stay where I am in the condition that I am and I'm not going to die spiritually and I'm not going to die emotionally and I'm not going to die relationally. Come on somebody. And I'm not going to die financially but I'm going to get up from where I am. Come on, somebody needs to just speak something in the atmosphere today and just shout, I'm getting back up. I, I'm not going to stay where I am, but I'm going to get up from where I am and I'm going to do something about the condition that I've been living in. I want to tell you, you can stay home and think your condition's going to change, but it's not going to change. You can sit on your hands and think your condition is going to change but it's not going to change. I'm going to tell you what's going to change your condition. It is when you get up from where you are, put your hands into worship, put your words into prayer. Come on, somebody. You've got to get up. Tell your neighbor, let's get up. God sent me today to tell you you got to get up from where you are. You can't live down and discouraged. We weren't built like that. I've had people tell me I don't need anybody. I don't know where those people are today. They're long gone. Because we're built to need one another. We're built to need the gathering together. That's why the Bible said forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together. I, I didn't tell you that just because you miss service you're on your way to hell. But I did come to tell you that you're not going to grow spiritually. You're, you, you get alone somewhere, you're going to get stagnant. You get alone somewhere and you're going to, all sorts of things going to start going through your mind. You need to get together with somebody and not somebody that's going to tear down what God is doing. But you need to get with somebody that is building up what God is doing. You need to get around somebody that's going to build up your most holy faith. You need to get around somebody that's going to say, come on, brother, come on, sister. We're going to get up from where we are. I know we're going through it, but we're not going to have a pity party at the gate of the city, but we're going to get up from where we are, and we're going to have revival. We're going to get up from where we are, and we're going after what's been taken from us. We're getting up from where we are because I refuse to die hungry. Y'all put your hands together and give God praise. It's not always easy to get up from your hurt. Ah, it's not easy to get up from bitterness. It's not easy to get up from fault finding. It's not easy to get up from worrying and pain. Oh no, these things weigh us down. If you keep going the same direction that you've been going though, I come to tell you that you're going to keep living in the same condition that you're living in. And the same shame that gets a hold of you because you know that you're not doing all that you could do 
and you get filled with shame. I tell you this morning, you need to walk to this altar and declare I'm getting the shame off of me because I'm going to stop sitting where I am, sucking my thumb over what I'm going through and feeling sorry for myself because of where I am. And I feel the Holy Ghost this morning telling somebody, get up, get up, get up. You're at the gate. You're at the entrance. You're at the valley of decision. You've got to make up your mind. You've got to make up your mind. If you stay here, you will die. If you keep walking down the same road you've been walking down, you're going to end up where you thought you would never be. Because I don't believe that anybody that's in such a terrible condition intended to be in that condition. But when hope is lost, when hope is lost, we've lost everything. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who hurt me. The person that hurt me can't be responsible for my future. I'm not going to give them the power over my future. Oh, you don't know what I've been through. I'm not going to allow what I've been through to, to determine what my future is going to look like. I don't know if I've got a week, a month, a day, a year, 10 years, 20 years. I don't know how long I have to live, but I have made up my mind that I'm not allowing some of the people that have robbed me of the blessings of God in my past and the joy of living in my past to keep affecting my future. I don't know if I've got 20 years, 25, 30, years. I don't know how long I have to live, but I know this much. I'm going to keep my eyes on the prize. I'm not going to get down at the gate filled with hunger and get despair and all sorts of worry and guilt on me, but I'm going to find some others and I'm going to say to them, why are we going to sit here? Come on, brother and sister. We've got to get up. Uh, can I preach real to you this morning? Some of you are here this morning. I just feel a check in the spirit. Somebody says, well, pastor, you don't know. I'm dealing with depression. Yeah, I've walked down that road of depression. Come on, it's doubtful that you're going to find. I know it feels lonely in your situation, but I want to tell you this morning that if I was to poll this audience today, that probably everything that you're going through and everything that you feel in the heart, in your heart of hearts, there's somebody else in this building that, that has already been through what you have been through and some of them may still be in it and some of them may be out the other side of it but I come this morning to tell you you're not alone in your condition the enemy wants you to believe that you're alone that's what he did to the prophet after he had done great exploits he said you're the only one even living righteous you're the only one and he goes under a juniper tree and he wishes that he could die oh I come this morning to tell you that you can't get alone. You need your brother and your sister. You need a pastor to tell you this morning, come on, we're going to get up together. Come on, we're going to get our strength back together. Come on, we're going to get up together. You're not alone in this, but we're going to get up from where we are. Oh, come on, put a shout in the air right now. Today would be a good day for somebody to make up their mind, I refuse to die hungry. If you keep walking down the same road, 
it's not going to end well for you. It doesn't matter how you ended up where you are. It's not too late for you to turn around and for things to change. Why is it so important? Because you may be the key to somebody else's salvation. Those four leprous men were at the gate. They didn't know while they were sitting at the gate feeling sorry for themselves with hunger pains racking their body. They didn't know that they were going to be the key of going out and getting what belonged to what had been taken from the city. They didn't know they were going to be the key to go back and tell them, hey, come on, let's go out here because it's all ours to go get back. They didn't know all of that. They didn't know the end from the beginning, and neither do you or I. And that's why right now while you're feeling down, and you feel like you're going through it, I'm going to tell you what your victory could mean. Your victory could mean somebody else's salvation. Come on. Your victory could mean somebody else's salvation. Your decision could mean somebody else's joy. You could make up in your mind this morning, I'm not going to stay where I am. I'm going to get a countenance change. I'm going to get a vocabulary change. I'm going to start speaking faith and speaking hope and speaking healing. I'm not letting the devil have the final word in my life. Come on, I'm going to get something that is going to bring joy to us. Your faith is contagious and it'll catch on to somebody else uh, when you say, hey, uh, you may be going through it. Uh, we may be going through it, but God is great. Uh, God is greater. We can be victorious. I, I understand how you feel. Just like the four leprous men, they were the most unlikely source to bring revival and save the city. That's right. They, they were outcast, vanished from society. They had more personal problems than any of us could possibly imagine. They, they had the disease of leprosy, which came with it all sorts of issues. They were outcasts of society. They, they were in a financial dilemma. They, they, there was famine uh, in, in all the land. Uh, they, 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 they had nobody advocating for them. Their, their family couldn't come to them. Nobody was, nobody was going in or out of the gate. They're at the inner and end of the gate, but nobody's coming by dropping alms in because they had no alms to give. They, they, there was nobody advocating for them, they, and they were physically starving Physically starving. But that that hunger that was inside of them drove them into action. Any of you medical people that are in the room, you ever tell people you gotta listen to your doctor? Anybody anybody you ever you ever tell wives ever tell your husband, you, you need to listen to your body. You're overdoing it. Husbands ever tell your wife you need to listen? <laughs> God put hunger in us for a reason. If we didn't have hunger and appetite, we would be malnourished die of starvation. I, I don't understand this. God builds some of us so different. I come in the office 
it's about one o'clock, and my stomach thinks that my mouth is on strike. I'm starving to death. I can't think straight. Everything I read looks blurry. Because I haven't eaten since breakfast. I come in and I'm like, Sister Cheryl, have you had lunch? She said, my Lord, I forgot to eat today. Who forgets to eat? And I, I say, well, I'm going to fix that. I'm going to go get us some food. What would you like? like at home. And she'll say, I'm not really all that hungry. When's the last time you ate? Well, I had a bowl of cereal at 8 o'clock yesterday for supper. God put appetite and hunger in us for a reason. Come on, everything in the natural has a spiritual implication. That's why when the Holy Ghost moves on you and you feel that, ooh, I need to. But when, if you just keep pushing it off, before long you can push it off. Some of us just came through an extended season of fasting. And you know the hardest days of that fast are the first few days. Can I get a witness? The first few days are the hardest. Once you get the victory over it, once you, it, it gets where it's not so hard because you can curb it. You can, you can push it away. Somebody needs to pray for Sister Cheryl so she starts eating on time every day. She fixes this thing that's broken in her. She gets appetite and hunger back. My Lord. God put that hunger in you. He placed it there. And when it hits, you need to make a decision to say, mm, I'm not staying like I am. Uh-uh, I'm going to get up and do something about it. If you think just because you're hungry, it's a sign of your spirituality, you are wrong. Your hunger is a sign that you need to get up and do something about it. You need to begin to worship. You know what's going to feed you? You get fed in prayer. You get fed by the word. You get fed in worship. Come on, you've got to get to where there is food. You've got to get to nourishment. You've got to get to where God can fill you up. So this hunger drove them. Listen, you're not likely to make any changes in your life until the pains of staying where you are become greater than the, than the pains of change. Uh, you, you've got to, the pains of change often cause us to say, yeah, I think we'll just stay right here. I, I'm working on somebody right now because I believe God's working on somebody right now that's about to make a decision. I am tired of living where I am the way I am. God has put hunger in me and I deny it and I disclaim it and I I, I won't accept it. But every time every time I start to, to I just, that hunger hits me. I, I sense it. You know, I, I just get in those certain moments and it, oh, it's just my eyes leaking. No, it's 
not. It's called hunger. And God has put it there for you to make a decision if you're going to get up from where you are and do something about the hunger that he's put in you. Some of you are soul winners that is refusing to get up and do something about the hunger that God has put in you. Yeah, some of you have ministry in you, but you've got to get up and do something about it. You've got to engage. Oh, it may cost you something, but it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. Child of God, we must not die at the gate of revival. It belongs to us. Lukewarm child of God, you must not die at the gate of your victory. Don't die at the gate of your healing. Ah, we become too comfortable like we are. But it may be that somebody else is waiting on us. It may be that a whole city is waiting for us. Uh Uh-huh. Because the four leprous men knew where the food was, they had to make a decision. If they're going to stay where they are, they're going to die. If they get up and go back in the city, they're outcast. They're going to kill them if they go back into the city. The only hope that they had was to get up and go to where they knew the food was. And when they got up to go where the food was, the Lord... Let me tell you about your decision. Your decision, God will not allow you to take the journey alone. Because when they decided to get up and go to the enemy's camp and taken everything from the city that had caused the famine in the first place, that had caused them to get to when they made the decision, the Lord began to work And when they began to go to the city, the Lord caused the city to hear noises that didn't really exist. (laughs) Come on, somebody. When you come to the house of the Lord and you begin to praise and worship, and the enemy's looking at you going, how in the world? Do you know what they're going through? Do you know what they're facing? Your worship confuses the enemy. Your faithfulness confuses the enemy. When most people would stay home, you get up and come to the house of God. When most people would be pouting in the pew, you get up and say, I'm going to worship anyway. That kind of worship, that kind of faithfulness, that kind of hunger confuses the enemy and causes the enemy to get up and flee because when you come forth in the name of Jesus, there is no enemy that can stand against you. They said, we sit here, we die. We go back to the city, we die. Or we're going to go out to where the food is and by chance, by chance, they save us a life. They had to recognize their dilemma. That's the first thing. I've tried to help you. I've, I've, tried to, I've tried to draw some correlation today to help you to get where you are to understand that you were sitting in a very dangerous place. But when you make up your mind to seek the Lord, you're not going to make this journey by yourself because when you take one step, he's going to take two. And if somebody's sitting in this room today says, well, you know, I'm just, I'm afraid of what the church might think. I'm afraid what some of the people might think. Oh, you don't have anything to worry about. I know dirt on too many people in this.
this room right now, I can tell you, ain't none of us any better than what you are. Come on, everybody in this room's been through it. We all have things we're not proud of. We've acted ways we're not proud of. We've said things we're not proud of. Oh, some of you aren't going to clap right now because you're afraid of where I'm going with this. But I came to tell you, and such were some of you. But we've been washed and we've been sanctified and we've been blood-bought because there's nothing going to help you out of your dilemma like the blood of Jesus. There is nothing going to deliver you but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. You're in good company this morning to get up from where you are and declare, I'm going to where the food is. God's calling us to change. He's calling us to move from where we are. He's calling us to If we go back where we came from, we die. There's nothing in the old world for me. Oh, no, nothing but heartache and pain. Don't even think about going back. We've gained some ground we should never give back. Pastor, I don't feel like I've gained any ground. You've come a long way, little one. Uh, and I, we've come way too far to turn back now. I'm not letting discouragement keep me. I'm going to tell you, if God has done anything to me over the last few weeks, he has put in me to be an encourager of the brethren. Satan is the discourager of the brethren. He is the accuser of the brethren. He comes and points every fault and every wrong. I come today in the name of the Lord to try to encourage you and tell you you can make it. You can do it, but you're going to have to get up. I didn't tell you it's just going to happen naturally. If you keep sitting where you are by the gate, you're right on the brink of it. Uh -huh. God set an open door before you and you're sitting at the door. When God opens the door, you've got to get up and walk through it. You're at the gate of your victory. You're at the gate of your breakthrough. But you've got to make up your mind. I'm going to do something about it. And the leprous men responded by faith. I won't leave it just a moment longer. Music can come. They rose up at twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they got there... There was nobody there because the Lord had already prepared the way for them. Let, let, me, let me have your undivided attention for just a moment. Most of us worry. We spend most of our time worrying over things that will never Well, what if, what if we spend most of our time worrying over things that will never come to pass? I see many of us this morning gathered at the gate of victory, the gate of revival, the gate of harvest, the gate being turned around and forever changed. But you've got to make a decision to get up from where you are. I know you've been hurt before. I know people have said things about you. That's human. It's not God. Why don't you give hope another chance? As those four leprous men are sitting at the gate, starving, 
and sitting here is not going to work. Going to this back to where we came from is not going to work. Our only hope is to go to where the food is. And hunger drove them to recognize if we sit here, we will die. I know I opened this message today talking about hunger, and there's those in the world that need hunger. But I feel like those in this room this morning, I feel like that hunger is deep in the heart of God's people. But it's the willingness to get up and do something about the hunger that is in us. I wish somebody would let hope prevail in your life right now. I wish somebody would let courage come over you and you declare, no, I'm not staying where I am. Why don't you stand with me all over this room right now? Maybe some of you would like to just step from where you are and walk to the front of this room right now and declare, I- I'm not staying. I'm, I'm not just living hungry. I'm going after it. I asked you at the beginning, what does a miracle look like for you? Are you going to just sit on the sideline and wait for the miracle to come to you? Or are you going to get up and say, I'm going to worship like it's already come to pass? I'm going to pray like it's already come to pass. And when you find it, they went back into the city and told them, there's food to spare. And just as had been prophesied before, they went from famine to festival in the matter of just one decision. I wonder this morning what could happen in your family if you would make a decision right now and say today is my day. I want you to push forward all the way here to the front. Let's come all the way to the front. Don't be afraid of this altar area. I want you to step forward and make room. There's room for everybody to join us here in the front right now. If you've never repented of your sins, I dare you right now to lift your hands toward heaven and just begin to tell God, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin and for everything that I have done against you. Come on, begin to pour it out. There's, There's food for somebody in this house today. There's hope for somebody in this house today. I want our ministers to just feel freedom to step across this room right now and lay hands on those that are here praying. Come on, God's going to do a work in somebody's hungry heart this morning. God's going to do a work in somebody's life right now. Let's respond to what God is doing. He's working in the house today. He's working in the house today. Yes. Come on, altar workers, help us this morning. Find somebody to pray for right now. Yes, yes, yes. Come on, there's hunger in the there's hunger in the house. Decisions are being made right now. Come on, I'm never gonna be the same. I'm never gonna be the same.
God's doing a work this morning. Come on, let's create an atmosphere right now. Give him praise. Give him praise. 